The Pro Act Know How. Brexit for expats is, has got a couple of issues that have come up, uh, which are sort of complicated uh, for, for people. Not least to say that Corona and how that's impacting for people uh, this year. Um, with restricting uh, movement of people and uh, also uh, not allowing um, uh, uh, jobs or careers to progress in the way that we expect. So th there's lots of issues of days of residency, changing status, uh, enforced changes through work um, or, or contract changes. And all these things uh, are impacting around Brexit. But one thing is, is clear, is, is Brexit is proceeding, uh, Brexit is going ahead, and uh, that, that's not going to change in the, uh, in the next three months. So the UK have already left the EU, um, and th there is a transition period to the 31st. Now, under the withdrawal treaty, that transition period um, could be extended um, but um, the UK in June confirmed that they would not entertain any extension uh, to the uh, 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 transition period uh, to give that continuity. Now, there are those in the EU that maybe hope that that would happen. The UK are fairly resolute that they're not going to do that. And as we've seen in the English Parliament, no matter what, uh, even with controversial legislation, the current government have got the, the means and the, to support to, to get their resolutions passed and through the parliament, even if it, it, it spikes a few feathers in the, in the EU negotiating team. So nobody in business, no expat living and working abroad should expect um, any uh, uh, extension to the transition period from the 31st of December. So that was going to bring everything to a head to, to get a, a solution. But actually for individuals, it, it doesn't matter because the, the, the rules are already set in place. So what we have is a, a situation where the withdrawal treaty um, enshrines EU citizens' rights for existing expats. So any EU expat who's legally resident in the UK before the 31st of December can apply for pre-settled status if they've been there five years and get settled status. Um, there's no formal ID scheme in the UK, which is why um, the, the settled status scheme was introduced in March 19. So uh, any EU expat must start that application. Now, that doesn't have to start by the 31st of December you're taking a bit of a risk by, by dragging it on, but you, you've actually got six months to the 30th of June next year to actually start that pre-settled application. Um, so pre-settled settled status is a permanent residence for EU citizens. It's not citizenship, but it gives the right for them to live and work abroad in the EU for the rest of their careers. So uh, the rest of their working life. The family, does not have to join you in the UK before the 31st of December. The family can still join up until uh, 2022. So that, that any uh, 
future plans for 2021, the, U the EU expats should get themselves established in the UK with the residents, with a job, so they can apply for pre-settled status before the 31st of December, their family and the relocation of their home can occur after that time. And then five years later, settled status can be achieved. Um, the, the, just to complicate that on the, on the next level, uh, permanent residency is not citizenship. Permanent residency is not citizenship. However, in the UK, after five years, you can apply for citizenship. So an EU expat living and working in the UK with their family for five years, not only can get settled status, but then could also go on to get full uh, British citizenship as well, and British passport, and have a dual citizenship. There's some countries that don't allow dual citizenship. Germany was one of those, but under uh, legislation patch, past pre-Brexit, they now have an exceptional case where you can have dual citizenship, uh, German and UK. Um, but Austria don't allow uh, dual citizenship at the moment. Many countries do. So it's something to bear in mind. Citizenship is another option which gives you equal rights with a citizen of that country. So for UK expats in the EU, it's a standard EU law throughout the country if you have been in that country it can prove that as a permanent resident for five years then you you've got a permanent residency status you have to register initially so everybody needs to uh, be doing that before the 31st of December if you're a British expat because you haven't necessarily got an extension period every country is slightly different so at the moment there's no guarantee that any country will extend the initial registration beyond the 31st of December. So that process needs, needs to be done. And that means that you need to have your residence and your means of income uh, and maybe social insurance in, in that country before the 31st of December. And again, once your family's joined you, uh, once you have uh, that UK expat has a, a residency legitimately, the family can join them even after Brexit and, and, and enjoy the, the equal citizen rights. But the, the EU citizen's rights is not dual citizenship and it doesn't confer wider benefits. So a permanent residency for the EU or a, citizen, a settled status in the UK allows freedom of movement between the two countries, Cyprus and the UK, Spain and the UK, Portugal and the UK, not freedom of movement around the EU, that's subject to other conditions. So um, a, a permanent residency won't necessarily give you freedom of movement to the other EU countries, although the UK does have visa-free travel between those countries anyway. So the, there may not be uh, a massive difference in, in the impact of, 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 of those arrangements. Oh boy, we're all loving this. Um, so we've got a, a couple of questions. We're going to break off now and looking at those deadlines. So we've established getting a foothold for your family in the EU or the UK is important. 
Um, if somebody's stuck in Cyprus due to COVID, um, what's the advice on residency in the UK? Uh, it depends upon what your situation is. If you're a British citizen with a British passport, you can go back to the UK any time. Um, if you're stuck in Cyprus due to COVID and you want to acquire as a Cypriot uh, citizen, acquire UK citizenship, uh, COVID isn't an excuse, right? So even with COVID, people can relocate to the UK. So if you're an EU citizen today and you want to move to the uh, UK, using COVID as an excuse not to be resident and have your settled status by the 31st of December will, will not grant you an extension in, in any way. So th there are hurdles to get over, uh, but generally uh, uh, Cyprus, for example, is on a, a free, um, uh, people can travel from Cyprus into the UK um, without restriction, e even now, even though the UK uh, currently on the 18th of September going into another wave of lockdown. There was actually no restrictions on your travel into the country, um, although there may be restrictions within that country. And there's no actually no need for a, a special test at the moment. You can fly in um, from Cyprus to, to the UK. That changes regularly. Um, the UK system is to apply uh, possibly a, a, a 14 day quarantine but as of today's day, that, that doesn't apply. So you don't have that option. So COVID is not an excuse to say that I've been delayed on my uh, relocation. Um, I've got another couple of questions here. Um, somebody moving from Dubai to the UK. Um, slightly differently. So um, again, it depends if you're a UK citizen uh, or not a UK citizen. So if you're a UK expat returning from the Middle East back to the UK, um, then it, it depends upon your circumstance. Um, for the first three years as an expat, uh, there are very specific conditions, depends upon what your family ties are, how many days you spent in the UK, um, uh, where you've lived, when you're in the UK, any work that you've done in the UK affects your, your days. But actually, certainly if you've been more than three years outside the UK, you can you can elect for a, a split year treatment. And if you qualify for split year treatment, that any days you spent in the UK up until the day you return, it doesn't, doesn't affect the maths going forward. Uh, so you could go on the 1st of August or, or the 1st of January or the 1st of March and still apply for split year treatment. Now, there's a tax judgment to be made on that. If you're going back to the UK and you're gonna be earning 6,000 a month and you go on the 1st of February, you'll have a, a full personal allowance for that year. So on that 12,000 income for the two months, uh, for February and March, 2021, you wouldn't pay any income tax. So that could be a good time for you to return to the UK. But circumstances aren't always like that. So if you've already had uh, your 90 days in the UK this year, but need to return for a new contract or a new work, if you qualify for split year treatment, 
then your previous 90 days is, isn't going to be something that's going to count against you. You're allowed to go to the UK with a fresh start. Um, and there are some COVID excuses on that um, uh, with exceptional days. Again, that's a case-by-case -case basis where we need to, to look at that. Um, as long as you don't go over in any one year uh, your rules, then you don't become not, you don't become tax resident in the UK. Even if you're a tax resident in the UK, you don't necessarily get taxed on your worldwide income. But if you're being made redundant from a, 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 an employment overseas and getting a redundancy pay or a, a pension bonus or a, a, a lump sum payoff, you need to make sure that that doesn't become liable for tax because you've not been out of the country long enough or you've got too many ties from previous years. And all these things are things that we can review using our, our retainer service or, or speak to one of our consultants and you can contact us at projectpartnership.com and, and leave your inquiry and, and we'll come back to you on that. Okay, so it, what we want to do in the webinar is fill questions from people uh, from, uh, uh, that, that are listening. So feel free to put, put your questions in and we'll, we'll bring those up. Um, the big thing with EU residency is, is, is the summit meeting. Now we saw this before in 2019 uh, where the last summit meeting and everybody had to make the decisions, but actually then we got extensions upon extensions and emergency summit meetings were called. Uh, but in, in theory, the, the last scheduled meeting for the um, uh, for the EU summit leaders, the people to ratify any trade agreement with the UK to leave the EU, is is to be held in the middle of uh, October. So any trade agreement is to be agreed by the fifteenth of October to be ratified at that meeting, sixteenth, uh, seventeenth of October. That may or may not happen. So it, it could be that they, they agree to have an emergency meeting in November or, or December, but everything needs to be approved and go through the motions to be in place for the 1st of December. So, you know, this is the next big deadline for uh, Brexit and the UK are in the process of trying to enact some legislation which gives them uh, additional powers as a sovereign government, because they won't be under the EU court jurisdiction from the 1st of January 2021. So a sovereign country can make its own rules. Now there's a big debate on this and that's not for, for this webinar. Um, but it, it, it doesn't mean that, the, that a trade agreement can't be made. What could happen is that uh, the EU and the UK could agree to, to bring forward um, uh, an agreeable package of uh, a temporary trade agreement. So we've taken off the shelf agreement, it's deemed to be temporary, it might last for five, it might last for ten years. The EU would argue that uh, an extension of the transition period would do exactly the same thing, but the UK don't want that because they don't want the ties to the European Court of uh, Justice and to EU a quota uh, and investment laws, the UK made it, government have made it very clear that they want the freedom to invest in business and infrastructure 
outside of EU rules. Um, once the UK is free of VAT, um, that money that would otherwise flow through the EU coffers um, is then available to the UK government to allocate for building projects and investment projects uh, within the EU. So e EU grants will be replaced by direct UK uh, government aid. So that, 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 that is what is at stake and that is why I believe the UK will hold out uh, for a clean break on the 1st of December with or without a deal. But there will, there will be some form of deal because it's in everybody's best interest to get that. The UK and, and Japan have agreed uh, a, a new trade deal. That means that uh, the, um, there'd be no, there's a, a Japan-EU trade deal now. There's a, a UK-EU trade deal. So goods between Japan, UK, um, and UK-Japan, Japan-EU can flow um, uh, tariff-free now. It's a bit more convoluted but it will protect the jobs and the businesses of, of Japanese investment companies, Nissan, uh, Fujitsu, in the UK, uh, and Itachi. All those big Japanese companies operating in the UK are not going to face tariff barriers now. Uh, for the smaller business, there may be some incidental changes, but there's, even with the EU, there's still customs there's still to, to clear. It's just... And, and there's random checks. There would just be additional paperwork. Now, again, with COVID, we've all learned to have the extra scrutiny. You know, we go to a pub and we have to leave our name and telephone number for track and trace. Uh, we have to uh, message uh, the government to get permission to go outside during lockdown uh, to take a walk. And so the governments are able to track us through uh, locators put on our mobile phones, um, the new Cyprus tax returns are now linking social insurance, medical and tax numbers for people together in Cyprus and in their own country. So any benefits and any tax liabilities and every, any residents of different countries is all joined up and, and, and connected. So it's very, very interesting times and a lot more scrutiny coming up on with exchange of information. Um, for the EU and Brexit, what it means is that some sort of temporary trade deal will, will break out that will maintain a status quo. And it might be annual renewable, um, but it, it will last at least a year. And it will then appear in January as if nothing much will change. But there will be, it'll be the same, but it'll be different. There might be some extra paperwork, uh, some extra clearance to be done. And those are things that we need to do. That will all become clear by, by October. Um, when they're either going to make an agreement and so they'll extend, have emergency meetings in, in November. But if they're not, they'll have their clean break and, and be proposing a temporary uh, state, uh, status quo situation, uh, but one which keeps the UK outside the EU. Um, the, the, the other big factor, the big unknown, uh, the UK and EU expats is um, uh, the EU health and social insurance agreement. Um, individual countries are responsible for social insurance uh, and tax in the, in the EU 
and under international tax treaties, the double taxation treaties, which exchange information between those different countries. Nothing to do with the EU. The EU has a VAT common tax scheme uh, as a sales tax, but most taxation and social insurance is covered under bilateral agreements, double taxation treaties between one country and the next. So double taxation treaties with Portugal, Spain, Cyprus, Malta, Greece, France, they will remain in place and they, they'll remain unchanged. So the rules for expats are the rules for expats. The rules for residency change, but, but the actual rules on, on tax do not change for expats. So your tax regime in Cyprus or in, or in uh, Spain or Portugal will remain the same. Uh, an EU expat after the January 2021 has got new UK rules, so they haven't got an automatic right to move to the UK. And so, for example, a non-EU expat moving to the UK, sorry, um, an EU expat moving to the UK uh, from January the 1st has to have a contract with a, a job worth, uh, with a salary of at least 25,600 a year. So the bar is set relatively high in the UK, maybe not as high as somewhere like Germany, where non-EU expats have to have a salary of around 50,000 euros. So uh, a UK citizen after Brexit would potentially going to Germany, be able to show that they've got an income of over 50,000 um, before they could settle as a non-EU resident in, in Germany. Um, so double taxation won't change, it's the residency rights and the freedom of movement um, under EU rules that, that is removed. Um, there's existing income uh, requirements, but there, there are more freedoms within the EU rules than, than outside it. The other big factor which is special and known is, is health and social insurance. So each individual EU country has its own set of rules and benefits. So social insurance or health or medical cover in Germany or Switzerland or Sweden or, or Denmark or the UK or Ireland is treated differently. There are different rates of social insurance or national insurance as it's called in the UK and different entitlement to medical benefits or different requirements to pay medical insurance or qualifying periods for medical insurance. So these are all covered under a common EU agreement. But even so, for example, an expat coming to Cyprus, an EU expat coming to Cyprus, doesn't automatically qualify for state healthcare. They, they only qualify for state healthcare if they've been there five years, or if they're an EU state pensioner, or if they're paying social insurance uh, taxes and then maybe for two or three or four or five years before they get an entitlement. So these are things that we need to know. And uh, that, that uh, British involvement in that social insurance scheme, and that reciprocal bilateral treaties is not yet confirmed. And that's a big uh, issue that needs to be clarified. Um, so the UK have said, we want to maintain bilateral social insurance agreements um, like they do with other countries. Um, for example, with Barbados and Bermuda, the UK have got a bilateral social insurance uh, agreement to travel between the two countries. Um, 
at the moment, the UK has got a bilateral agreement with the EU and that applies to all 27 EU countries. But from the 31st of December this year, that agreement stops. So a replacement needs to be found. And technically, the UK has to uh, make 27 separate bilateral agreements or uh, it can make one agreement with the EU. But that has not been declared or, or resolved uh, or very little on, on policy reasons for that. So it could be that, that uh, from uh, January the 1st, uh, an entitlement to cross-border uh, welfare benefits um, uh, or pensions or medical benefits doesn't exist in the same way as it does as an EU citizen. So it's something to watch out for, something to take care of, but something's not yet resolved. So I'm still looking at that to get that resolved. Okay. Um, and and, and that, that's quite a point. So it might mean that expats need medical care uh, and private medical care after the end of Brexit um, transition period. Okay. Um, so th those are the key deadlines. The deadlines are for the trade agreement um, to secure EU citizen rights rather than non-EU uh, transition rights. Uh, what are going to be the changes with the healthcare and how will it affect my, my business cross-border? Um, COVID has an impact if you're returning to the UK, uh, but it, it, it's not going to grant you any extension if you want to relocate to Portugal or relocate to uh, um, any other EU country or to the UK, that residency needs to be taken up by one member of the family before the 31st of December and then um, followed up thereafter, you know, by the family joining. Um, I just want to preview now a couple of things that we've got coming up. Uh, we've got another webinar on the uh, 30th of uh, September and this is a workshop for people who want some help and ideas on putting out the new Cyprus uh, tax return for expats. So we're running a workshop uh, guiding people through how to fill out these returns. So if you want to join that, um, go along to Private Partnership uh, and, and register for that new uh, workshop that will be on the 30th of uh, September. We offer a retainer service to clients where we've got uh, a client advisory service for expats living and working abroad. Uh, runs on an annual basis, you pay monthly or, or annually, and we're available then to answer your questions with exclusive webinars and, and advice services um, to expats living and working abroad. So again, you can find more about that by contacting us at privatepartnership.com. Okay, uh, on, our, on our website as well, you can download a guide to uh, EU residency rights, what they are, what their deadlines are. It's a guide and it's available at projectpartnership.com to our shop. And you can go along there, get yourself a copy, download that and read more background into what we'll be discussing here. So that's uh, projectpartnership.com at the shop. So please go along, download your copy, uh, look for the next webinars that are coming up and uh, send us your questions and we'll continue to get those 
answered during the webinars and, and beyond. Thanks very much for listening and we'll see you again next time. The ProAct Know-How, brought to you by ProAct.